listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? Notice how everybody gets quiet when you say that. We're going to walk through, now before we go to Ephesians 4.30, which is where we are today, we're going to go to John 14, but I want us to be clear on what I think is the major problem, and that is I grew up Southern Baptist, that's all I know. I've never been Episcopalian or Methodist or Lutheran, nothing wrong with those people, but I've never been those things. I've only been Southern Baptist, that's all I know. And I know that growing up as Southern Baptist, we were excellent at the gospel. We were excellent. I mean, I grew up memorizing as a kid, Romans Road. I I knew how to lead somebody to Christ before I knew Christ. We did the Romans Road, right? Everybody's a sinner. Jesus, but, and, and we violated the holiness of the Father. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed as a payment because I can't make the payment. He made it for me. But put my faith in that. That payment is given to me personally. I appropriate it personally from the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. And then I am forgiven and I'm saved. And I'm going to heaven when I die. The problem with us it's that where, that's where we stopped. We settled right there. We never went to the person of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, if you look at Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, it talks about God the Father's role in redemption, God the Son's role in redemption, and God the Spirit's role in redemption, and we don't go there. So I grew up, seriously, we're great with the gospel, so once we're forgiven and we're going to heaven, then nothing else really matters, and we turned it over to the charismatics, and then we mocked and made fun of the charismatics because they would get uh, just unique in their emotions. I don't know any other word. I was in, uh, and again, we mocked them, and we gave, it's almost like we just gave the understanding of the Holy Spirit to them with no biblical truth. When I, <laughs> I'm just telling you the story. I'm not saying what I did was good, okay? I just got called to preach in 1970. I had a buddy with me from college. I'm in Mississippi College with two ministerial students. I'm just telling you the story. I'm not saying it was good, it was bad. I'm just telling you. So I get my buddy and I said, there's a big charismatic church in town. Let's go watch. So we go to first, I can't remember what it was, similarly whatever, in Jackson, Mississippi. Sunny night, so we go, we sneak up into the balcony, just the two of us. I sit down right on the rail. My buddy, who's extremely timid, is sitting behind me. So I'm watching, and sure enough, they're doing their antics, what we would consider their antics, and we're doing what we're doing, an ungodly thing. We're mocking them. And all of a sudden, I see this guy run down the aisle, grab the pastor's hand, and look back at us. And I'm like... Oh, this, this is not going to be good. Sure enough, he turns and starts running back down now. I hear him running up the steps. And so I've kind of got my hands like this over my eyes, and I hear him run behind me to my buddy. And he screams at him as loud as he can, and he goes, Do you want it? And I turn back, and my buddy's eyes are like this. He is just petrified 
doesn't know what to say, so I said, we're gone, so we get out of there. So I continued, really, just being honest, I continued my ungodly mockery of their attempt to understand the Holy Spirit, which we, in Southern Baptist life, had kind of shoved aside. We're good on the Father, we're good on the Son, but we weren't good on the Spirit. And those that were at least making an attempt to know what the Spirit did in life, we mocked and made fun of. And then we lost our power. And we wondered, and now we've resorted to programs and schemes and different pastor, better church, lighting, all the things to try to impact our culture because we've lost the only power source God gives us. Look at John 15, John 14. And we're going to cover a little bit of ground today. Hope you have your Bibles open, fingers moistened. I want you to listen to John 14, 15. Now, these are some of the last words of Jesus Christ. He is walking uh, across the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem to the Garden of Gethsemane. These are his last words basically before he dies with his disciples. He's trying to get them queued up, ready to go. And so here's what he says. Here's one of the things. Now listen to John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I shall ask the Father. He shall give you another helper that he might be with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world is not able to receive, because it cannot behold him, nor can it know him. You, though, know him, because he abides with you and shall be in you. I shall not leave you orphaned, I shall come to you. Now here's the problem. This is where we missed it. Now listen. The purpose of the blood of Christ is to forgive us so that God can reinstall himself in my life in the person of his Holy Spirit. The purpose is not for us to run around and say, I'm forgiven, oh, and I'm going to heaven when I die. Like that is the end all be all. No, 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 no. Forgiveness has a design by the Father to wipe away my sin, to implant the righteousness of Jesus in my life so that the Father can reinstall himself in my life in the person of his Holy Spirit. That is the agenda God has in the cross. We have been great at the gospel and forgiveness and I'm going to heaven when I die, and I can't lose that. We've been really good at that, but we have lost the understanding in between of the fact that we are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And here's what the Bible says. Now listen, 1 Corinthians talks about the fact that we have been baptized in the Spirit. That is something that occurs at your salvation. It doesn't occur past, but it occurs at your salvation. The Holy Spirit indwells you. That's what it means that you're baptized. But we're going to look here in chapter 5. And Ephesians 5.18 is going to say to us, keep on every day being filled with the Spirit of God. We have a responsibility, and we have the potential. We have a responsibility for the Spirit of God to fill us for the rest of our life. That is the key component. It is the purpose 
of the cross in your life. Certainly. Part of the purpose is to get her to heaven, but the other part is that the Holy Spirit would indwell us from the moment we're baptized by filling us until the moment he takes us home. That's the part we've not been good with as Southern Baptist. Now, go to Ephesians 4.30. I want you to look at what it says. Great passage. We'll take it backwards. But here's what he says. Quit grieving the Holy Spirit of God in whom you have been sealed until the day of redemption. Now, here's what he says. The Holy Spirit has sealed me until the day I die. No one else can have me. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. A lady in my church called me. There was a professor at a well-known seminary in California, not Southern Baptist, but she called me and she said, I've been listening to the guy's tapes, very conservative school, and she said, he told me, he's told people that we need to allow people to come into our life and help pray the demons out of us so that we can be a fuller Christian. What do you think about that? I said, let me tell you something. You're not sealed by a cherub or a seraph or an angel. You're sealed by the third person of the Trinity. You are sealed by God himself, by the Spirit. There is no demon that is not terrified of the Holy Spirit in your life. So do not let anybody tell you that you've got some agenda. No, sir. The Holy Spirit has sealed you. How long? Until the day he takes you home. I am sealed by that Spirit. Now listen. For two reasons. Okay? There are two agendas that the Holy Spirit has in my life. That's why I need to be filled because you can't really experience these two agendas. They're potential but you can't live in them unless you're filled with the Spirit. Now, go to Romans 8. I told you we'd cover a little bit of ground. I'm going to see either doing this or this, depending on your iPad. Now, I want you to listen. Romans 8, 15, we'll go there first. Because both things are inside this chapter. Here's what he says. You did not receive a spirit of slavery again to wind up fearing, but you have received a spirit of adoption in which we cry, Abba, Father. This same spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, listen. Very first thing that God did when you trusted in the blood is he baptized you in the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit's now in you, and he wants him to fill you so that, first thing, you and the Father can have a personal, experiential relationship with each other. It is not the idea that you just know truth, and it's not like it's going to be when we die, but for right now, there is still a, there is a personal, experiential relationship with the Father between you and him. You hear him, he hears you. There is a relationship. That is the first agenda he has in planting the Holy Spirit in you is to restore connection. 
Nobody without Christ has a connection with the Creator. We have been restored a connection with the Creator. And let me just tell you, this is critical in understanding why we're struggling as a country and why our kids are struggling in school because we are teaching them brain-dead stuff. Here it is. You go to school today, there are two things you're going to be taught. You're going to go into science class and you're going to be taught that evolution is a fact. It's not a fact, it's a theory. And here's the problem. Second thing is, when you go to the counselor, the counselor is going to say to you, look, I know you're struggling with this and that, but here's the answer. You need to get good self-esteem. You need to feel good about yourself. Now, let me just tell you how insane that is. If I've evolved, and I'm a product of time and chance, you know what that means? There's no reason for me to be here. There's no purpose in me being here. And when I come to the end, it's the end. Now, I think most of our kids are actually smart enough when they begin to figure out that and it settles in their mind. That's why they're struggling with depression and everything else because if you really have no purpose and no reason to be here, how in the world can you feel good about yourself? However, I can put two passages of Scripture together. One is Jeremiah 1. That before, he's told Jeremiah, before you were born, I had a purpose for your life. Psalm 139 says, he knits me in the womb for that purpose. He gives me a set amount of days for that purpose. And he thinks about me all day long. Now, if I believe that, I've got some esteem. Not based on me. Not based on the fact that I'm better looking than Scott and Mays. Not based on those things. It is based on what I have with my father. I have an esteem that's going to last. You can't take that from me because it's based on what he's done for me in Christ. So this is critical that we understand we've been given through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit a personal relationship with a creator that we are to, when we're filled with the Spirit, live inside. So there's, there's the first thing. And here's the second thing. Look in Romans 8, 4. He talks about Christ and he says, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be filled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So here's the second thing. When the Spirit fills me, two things will happen. I'll have a personal connection with the Father that I'm experiencing. And secondly, I have the ability to be holy. Now, let me be clear here. There's a difference between goodness and holiness. Goodness is what a man can do without God. Holiness is what God can do without a man. He produces his character in us. Now listen. His holiness is capable of being in us by the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. If I'm not filled with the Spirit, I can be good. I can go to church, drive my car. I can read my Bible once in a while, but to really be holy, to not hate people, 
to love people that aren't like me, to do all the things that goodness won't do, that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. I have the ability to show off his glory by the power of the Spirit inside me. So the second purpose is that I would reflect the Father. I have to reflect him. We're talking about praying for the one, right? You're talking about winning people to Christ. When you tell them the Holy Spirit indwells you, they don't know that. They can't see that unless his righteousness shines in your life and then they see the consequence of the Holy Spirit in you and realize that maybe what you're saying is correct. So, there are two things. I'm sealed with the Spirit so that I can have a relationship with Him and so that He can show Himself off in my life. Now, look at the second part. Or the first part, actually, Ephesians 4.30. Here's what it says. Do not grieve the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Now slide over one other verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Now before we go there, I want you to think about what's going on in Afghanistan. There's word now everywhere that our brothers and sisters in Christ are being targeted and hunted down by the Taliban. They hate us, and they're trying to kill us. They're trying to find them. So the Americans we leave there and our brothers and sisters in Christ we leave, they're going to be killed. That is exactly what is happening in this verse in 1 Thessalonians 1. But listen to what he says. And you, 1-6, you have become mimics of us and of the Lord, having received the word in great affliction, that is in the middle of persecution. There are Christians dying as they will be in Afghanistan. Watch this. With the joy of the Holy Spirit. So we have this unique concept. Now, I'm not being funny here. I don't think there's anything funny about what I've just talked about. So misunderstand, I'm not being funny. The Afghan Christians are not happy because they're going to die as these people weren't. There's nothing happy about being a Christian right at this moment in Thessalonica. But they had a joy from the Holy Spirit that overruled their unhappiness that they were facing. So when the Holy Spirit indwells me and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I will have an ability to sense and to feel His joy or when I step away from God's glory to sense I'm grieving the Holy Spirit and I will sense that grief. And if I allow that to become a barometer in my life, when I sense his grief, I'll step away from that. When I sense his joy, I step toward that so I can live my life. Staying away from the grief I sense in the Holy Spirit or going to the joy I sense in the Holy Spirit. That's my barometer if... And the Holy Spirit doesn't respond to Baptist stuff, but he does respond to the Father's glory. So whatever I'm doing that's damaging the Father's glory, I will sense the grief of the Holy Spirit. Or when I'm living out God's glory, his joy will flood me and I can overwhelm the unhappiness I may or may not feel in my life. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. 
And that is fundamental. I'm not talking about your conscience. You want your conscience tuned to that. Your conscience you can sear. I know a preacher in this state. I won't tell you who it is. But he had the AC go out in his house. So he called, guy in his church said, hey man, my AC's out. Guy owned an AC company, came over, fixed it. So he was leaving, he handed the preacher the bill. He looked at it and he said, what's this? He said, well, that's the bill. I'm the pastor. He said, well, I, I cut you a little slack. I, 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 you know, took a little off. Well, I'm the pastor. So they had further discussion. That's a pastor who preaches every Sunday whose conscience is completely seared. We're not talking about your conscience. I want you to live your life where you live in the joy of the Spirit or you sense the grief of the Spirit and let your conscience be trained to yield to that, not what you think is right and wrong. And that is an urgent need today. I'm just going to speak my heart here. I'm tired of celebrity pastors who quit because they get unhappy. I'm tired of non-celebrity pastors who quit because they get unhappy. And I'm telling you, a pastor for 43 years, I'm going to say this gently and kindly, okay? A little smile on my face. Sometimes you people are not fun to be around. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. And sometimes you don't make our life pleasant. And so I get a lot of guys quitting because of complaining about the people in their church because they live by the happiness of the congregation, not the joy of the Holy Spirit. I have a best friend, good friend. I talked to him the other day. I'm going to call his name out, Stan Ortner. First Baptist Bremont, Texas. Small, rural church. Small. He's been there nearly 50 years now. Never been on the stage at a convention. Never preached a convention sermon. Never been on a major board, either in the state or the national. He's not revered that way. He's not honored that way not respected that in way he's given no kudos that way it's in a small church but he spent his whole life there never cheating on his wife never taking money doing everything he can to bring the truth of Jesus Christ to that community in Bremont Texas he's done it well because every one of his kids testify that he is at home what he is in the pulpit there's an authenticity to his life because he had to live his life based on whether or not people in the convention value him or don't he's based his life on the joy and the grief of the Holy Spirit and that has driven him 
dead sinner into the will of God. He will die not being honored by us, but he will die honored by the one that matters. And that is where we all need to live. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for the clarity of your word, the conviction of your word. And Father, just pull us all back where we allow you to control us and fill us and speak to us and put your holiness in us. Father, so that we can be all that you want us to be up until the day you take us home. Thank you for the gift of your spirit that somehow we have failed to acknowledge and let us come back to that understanding. In Jesus Christ name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.